Welcome back to the Crash Bang Boom podcast. Hopefully you haven't been crashing. If so, maybe you're just crashing a wedding party. Hopefully you've been doing some banging. And hopefully there is some sort of boom at the end of all of said events. Now, as someone who admittedly has not the greatest attention span, I seem to have steered away from overtly long songs. But if there was ever a band that could convince me otherwise, it would certainly be the band whose drummer I interviewed on this podcast. That drummer would be Matt Kudo, and that band would definitely be the one and only Elder. That's right, folks. If you're into ethereal, yet always crushing, and always groovy, proggy, blues, classic rock then Elder is clearly the band who is doing that shit right. And the epicness was on full display uh, when I saw them at St. Vitus recently, playing songs off of different albums over the course of their 10-year career, which all blended really well together and made for a great night. And their most recent record, Reflections of a Floating World, was definitely one of my favorites of 2017. So without further ado, here we go. Matt Kudo, kudos to you, motherfucker. Crash, bang, boom! Go mad with joy. Kudo of the one and only Elder, one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite records for the year. How's it going, man? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good. Y'all are amidst a run here. Uh, this is the first show of, of about 18 gigs or so. You're in a state that has, some, to some degree, legal weed, I understand. Are y'all stopping through Colorado by any chance on this run? We might take a stop by there if we can, but I'm not sure exactly the, the route that we're going. But Yeah. We've been through to Denver before, and that was pretty fun that was just a one-off show like festival that we did it was a kind of weird one like snowboard on the block or something like that they yeah, had, yeah like some snowboard they put some snow on like this literally on like a block of a street and really like, they had like all these crazy rails and these snowboarders were grinding down them and stuff while y'all were playing it was like a different part of like the, oh, okay there was a few stages we played one like around the corner but gotcha it was like rappers there and like uh some other different types of bands it was it's pretty cool different type of I remember it being really hot, though, and I was like, how is this snow, like, not like, melting, like, crazy fast? But. <laughs> yeah. Denver's uh, cool, man. I no, Definitely no shortage of weed going on in Colorado. My God. Yeah. I just got back from Washington State, and definitely no shortage of weed there either. Whoa. Everywhere. <laughs> Everybody has it. So. Ubiquitous weed. Well, what else is going on, man? Uh, con- well, like I said, uh, congrats on, on this uh, record, man. It's, it's, it's a killer one. I'm looking forward to hearing some of these new songs. Y'all got a, a fourth member uh, at this point. Uh, tell me a little bit about the additional member y'all got going on. Uh, well, basically, we've had to like sacrifice a lot of guitar playing that Nick does on the records. Basically, have to make it work for the live shows and yeah. stuff. So adding mike uh he's a good friend of ours played in gold and silver with uh with nick which was a side project uh, a few years ago but like he just works really well with us he's a good friend of ours he's really good at style of guitar he plays so basically he's taking some of the stuff that we haven't been able to do before and like playing those harmonies good harmonies yeah and like just 
he adds a lot of different just like ambience and stuff to like the the mix which we've kind of lost when trying to translate the records to like the live stuff so right there's more room to like mess around with for the, absolutely for the two guitarist guys and also for me and jack too yeah, yeah. Like opens up a, a bit so how did it work out with getting him in the band with uh nick the guitarist vocalist being in germany and and rehearsing did uh, just he does he come in intermittently or is it a lot of file sharing and demoing and then y'all get together run a bunch of rehearsals and then it's time to go that kind of thing yeah it's a lot of like Nick will record demos with like drum machine tracks and gu- guitar and bass and puts everything to it and then he sends it to us and then basically we practice it all on our own yeah. whenever we can and then we get together and then play it you know but uh that's how it's been working lately uh, especially with the new guy it's like he's really good at learning stuff and then once we get together we kind of focus on the things that are giving us trouble and then work from there but uh, it's worked out pretty well uh we've been practicing pretty hard each on our own so without doing that then like if we just showed up and just tried to do it like without listening to the demos and practicing on our own wouldn't make it very far you know so it's a lot of like practicing on our own and getting it down like the new stuff was like really tough for me to to learn because nick's like a really good drummer like i was telling you earlier Mm -hmm. he's taught me a bunch like when elder started i started playing drums like really and he you know he was playing drums before we started and he basically would get behind the kit and he's like i'm thinking something like this for this like this type of rhythm for this riff and then he would get behind the kit and play the part whatever and then i would get back on it and try to play it and we would swap back and forth like all the time just like trying to him trying to like tell me like play it this way like you know like try to add this into it so eventually it's like getting easier and easier as we're going along because we've been doing it for so long but he still gets behind the kit still to this day to like help me out with different things because he really is a really good drummer like nobody knows that either right (laughs) right it it makes sense i could definitely i was trying to figure it out because it he seems like the kind of guy that would have a lot of ideas about all the varying instruments and how all this stuff can go so totally and not many people know this but like on pretty much every single album i think except like the demo he's played on at least one or two songs on drums too really which nobody really knows um this new this newest album he plays on thousand hands the whole song wow um but like I was kind of happy, like, this time. I was like, damn, like, cool. Like, I learned, like, most of the record, like, and I recorded pretty much the whole thing except that right. song. So, like, yeah, that's something that not a lot of people know, and I'm not afraid to share it. Like, I want him to, I want people to know that he's able to do that shit, too. So it's... Talented dude. Yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot from him, so... I bet. Speaking of which, how did you initially hook up with him, man? How did Elder happen? Uh, well, me... Jack and Nick played in a, another band like when we were 14 together called Tchaikovsky. <laughs> <laughs> Tchaikovsky, really? Yeah, and it was like kind of like a melodic, like hardcore thing that we were doing. There was like a pretty big, not a, yeah, it was a pretty big local scene in like New Bedford at the time. There was like a lot of like young bands playing, and literally our, our parents would drop us off at the show, at the shows with like our half stacks and drum sets and stuff and we would go there and play and practice in the parents basement yeah so we started we were playing that i was playing guitar nick was playing drums jack was playing second guitar then he moved to bass um and then eventually we stopped that we did a, a few other bands uh we did wrath and then we did know, a few other ones that were short period of time for these bands but Mm -hmm. and then eventually me and nick were like we want to start a band that we want to play like long term you know we started getting into like high on fire and sleep and ohm and stuff all the longer format songs and all that stuff more epic yeah like longer songs and more 
I don't know, able to like jam out more. And sure. So we started that, and then eventually Elder Starter was me and Nick, and I hopped on drums. Like I said, he started teaching me how to play drums. And at the time, he was already a pretty good guitarist, too. He was writing a lot of the songs that like I was playing when we were 14 and stuff. I wasn't writing the tunes. He would yeah. write them, and I would learn them. But then we got, we, it was me, Nick, and this other dude, Chaz, that was part of the local scene as well. And then eventually he, he didn't want to do it as much anymore, so he left the band. And then this was when we were like juniors of high school. Like he was in the band for like the first year or something like that. And then we added Jack on second guitar for Elder. Okay. And then eventually, pretty quickly, Chaz didn't want to do it anymore. And then we, you know, he left and then... Jack went over to bass, and then it's been like that ever since we got Mike, the second guitar. So yeah, so yeah, we just wanted to. We started Elder as like a band that we wanted to play like long term. Like yeah. every album is a little bit different, and we keep just to keep us more into it. You know, like sure. we play one album for so long, and then we all get a little bit bored of it, so we want to progress it a little bit. So yeah, that's how we got to where we are now. You know, tattoos. You got an Elder tattoo over there now. Yeah. The three of you have matching Elder tattoos. Yeah, three of us do. Like uh, me, Jack, and Nick. And then me and me and Jack have two other random tour tattoos that we get along the Matching? way. Matching? Yeah. So really? Me and Jack have three of the same tattoos. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, is the new guy going to get one? We'll try to convince him eventually. Yeah. He Hopefully. Doesn't, he doesn't have any right now? I don't think he has any. Ah, oh, it sounds like I, I know what the first one's going to be. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see. Yes. We're not forcing him to do it, though. <laughs> Uh, I was talking to Nick uh, when I interviewed him on the podcast a while back, and I remember him telling me that the trajectory of the band um, is pretty interesting because, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there like a 7-inch or something that y'all put out that got distributed in Europe and then you, you guys ended up going over there and playing shows, and then that's kind of how the thing kind of took off? Am I wrong about that? Yeah. Um, Meteor City put out the self-titled CD. We were looking for a label to put out the vinyl and then this label electric earth which wasn't really like a big label or anything but they uh asked us if we would want them to put out the record and they were based out of like belgium i think uh-huh. so they made a like i forget how many copies they made of the record but they're all the records were in europe yeah you know? and there's a pretty big scene there there was at the time too so right off the bat like most of our recorded material was in Europe, you know, like the CDs were here in the States, but the record was out over there. And then it wasn't until like 2013 that we got asked to play Roadburn. And then there was a booking agent that set up a little tour around that. And then that was kind of the one that was the first tour outside of uh, the States for us. I think we might have done one little run in Uh the States before that. But but ever since we did that one run, like we've been going back there every year since the, you know, the crowd's have been coming out to see us every time so it's been getting better and better over there for us as the fans are pretty rabid out there for them for the material you know absolutely for bands in general like this you know? yeah yeah i feel like it's kind of like some people talk about japan like once you go to japan play there once they always welcome you back yeah it's like europe we've never been to japan of course but like the first time we went to europe like we were we were kind of like oh yeah like we can probably do this whenever we want you know so, right We've been doing it ever since, you know? That's, so that's what it was. You, uh, having done very little touring at all in the States, really, went to Europe, kind of found your niche. There was uh, a craving for it. Yeah. And uh, you've been, been able to go back and, be, and make it happen over there. And at the same time, have been able to build up uh, yourselves more and more in the States as well. 
over the course of what's well, been 10 years now, right? Yeah, yeah. We started in like 2007, 2006 maybe, like the end of it or something. I'm not quite sure. It's <laughs> yeah. so long ago, but I think we did record in like 2006 was the first, when we first started it. Uh-huh. A junior year of high school. So. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And you all, so all of you grew up uh, in, in Massachusetts or New England area? Yeah. Like they, the other guys are like two towns over from where I grew up. Okay. Like middle school time. Like we, we met each other like freshman year of high school through a, through a friend of ours. Um, and then we've been best buds since that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like once we started playing in that first band together, we've, we've been best buds since. So yeah, it's worked out. Speaking of, uh, of long songs, I've never played in, in bands really. I think about the longest song I've ever played was maybe seven minutes. Now, granted, it was, it was pretty proggy as well, so a lot of changes over the course of seven minutes. But with some of your songs, you know, 13, 12, 14, 15 minutes, however long they can be, have you ever gotten in, in a song and just been like, I don't know where I am in this song? It's like, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? Where'd the tunnel begin? Where the fuck am I? Yeah, it totally it totally happens, you know, like a little hiccup, and then all of a sudden I'm, like, trying to catch up or something like that. Yeah. But there's been, yeah, like, especially, like, early on, like, when we first started playing, like, shows in Boston and stuff, I remember one time, like, I drank a few too many beers uh -oh. at, at this house show, <laughs> and literally the entire set I couldn't keep up. Like, I would be playing one part, the other guys would change to the next part, and I would stay It'll on that be. first rhythm. Oh, boy. And then I would finally switch to the second one, and then they would immediately turn to the, ne oh. to the next riff. Out and of I was sync, always, man. always, like, a few behind. So, like, we played a few songs, and it was that way for, like, the whole time. And then, I'm not even joking, <laughs> like, the cops came to break up the house show, and I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> and then I was so bummed, and I felt so bad that I literally just, like, walked home to my apartment afterwards. I was like bye guys I'm sorry bye like you know yeah but it, like it, it happens like we're better at like catching it now like if I mess something up now I've kind of learned to like fix it like yeah pretty quickly sure that comes with time and with chemistry and understanding both the songs and how everybody works and the way to recovering from a mistake is an yeah. art in and of itself you know yeah totally but it's easier for the other guys too because like they'll have like a sour note or something like that and like <laughs> yeah, they're of course you know they, they can hear where I'm at oh you yeah know what I mean yeah but for me if oh, I yeah. mess something up it's like everything everybody hears it and of course yeah it's the old adage that feedback is the guitarist's best friend so when when in doubt just get some fucking feedback all right we see where this is going yeah, yeah totally. but yeah the drummer train wrecks it's it's going the ship can be going down <laughs> yeah and it's it's happened yeah not not just once either like <laughs> A good amount of times. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, you start to develop an interest in music? I want to say sixth grade, probably, because I. What had, was the record? Was there a record in particular? It wasn't really a record. It was like, honestly, it was my teacher. Uh, my teacher was like this weird little guy. He was a short guy. A midget. And, not midget, but he was. He was. He a, was a midget. A Let's go with midget. <laughs> I like the story already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But he was a he was kind of a weird guy, and every like the whole class was always thought he was a kind of weird dude. But he was like super into music. He would bring his banjo in 
and he you know he would tell us like oh yeah i've li- lived on the road before like just driving around playing music with like my random folk groups and stuff and then he got me into some bands like he he, he told me like hey like check out nirvana like check out the meat puppets really yeah i'm not even joking and then like you he, never heard any of that stuff and your teacher was turning you on to it yeah yeah and not just that, like other like classical stuff. Like he he gave me like a Django Reinhardt CD when I graduated. Awesome. And uh, you know stuff I would never heard of. Well, Nirvana and maybe yeah. the Meat Puppets, but definitely Nirvana would have heard. You know, eventually. Yeah. But um, after that, like I think he got me into that stuff because I was just like getting into guitar. Like I started playing guitar, like taking lessons and stuff. Uh huh. So he like turned me to those bands, and then. I got more and more into that stuff, and then I think it, so. Yeah, it started around there. Like I had like a band with these young kids that I went to school with in middle school, just playing on like the drummer was playing on his dad's kid. I was playing on my crappy little combo amp, and we were just having a blast, you know. And then ever since then, I've I always wanted to keep playing, and that was like my favorite thing to do. So definitely started around there, and, and plus my dad was played a little bit of acoustic guitar, and so he was all, all for it, you know. So. Yeah, was he playing much music in the house, your dad? Like, uh, uh, not not necessarily on the guitar, but just through stereo or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. he was always played. listening to different stuff. He was, like, super into, like, James Taylor and, like, uh, like John Mellencamp and, like... Folky Americana yeah, stuff? Yeah, like Johnny Cash and, like, random Country, yeah. other stuff like that. You know, I was into that stuff, too. I was like, all right, cool. Like, I, I was just into any type of music in general, really, yeah. you know? Was there any artist that your father or the, uh, that you heard in the house at the time that you didn't like that you like now? Uh, I mean, he listened to some Tom Petty and stuff like back in the day. Like, I remember seeing some Tom Petty stuff. Rest in like, peace, Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. Also, another person from my family that was into music, too, was my cousin Craig. He was, like, long-haired metal dude. <laughs> and, he, you know, he was super into, like, uh, like Metallica. He was, like, super into, like, corn and stuff <laughs> and, like, Linkin Park. and like Yeah, so he, you're young. <laughs> you grew up in the time of new metal. He literally, my cousin brought me to, like, a Project Revolution, like, way back in the day. Uh-huh. And, like, Snoop Dogg was playing it, but corn was playing it and Linkin Park and stuff. And, like, he was trying to get me into those bands, and I was always kind of just like, yeah, and really not my thing, but, like, this is fun. It's my first festival experience. I was into, like, rap, too, at the time. So right. I was more into the <laughs> rap acts and uh, Ghostface Killer. I saw him on awesome. that, that festival, too. Love him, yeah. So, I mean, my cousin definitely helped get me into some things, especially, like, rap. But, like, right. he was trying to get me into, like, corn and stuff. And so I bought a few of those CDs, and I was just like, you know, not really my thing, but... What's one of the best shows you've ever seen? Ooh, it's a tough one, but I saw Ohm original lineup in the small Middle East upstairs in Boston, and Grails opened up for them, and also Jack Rose, the finger-picking guitar dude. Uh-huh. So that was probably my favorite show ever. Like that was really? that was really awesome. Like Ohm just kept playing until like they literally kicked the drummer out, and then Al kept playing, and then they unplugged his amp eventually, and he was just like, "All right, well." I guess we're done, you know. <laughs> so, like, that was one right when I moved to Boston, probably around, like, 2008. And then the other one is definitely um, I saw Neil Young at the Providence Performing Arts Center, I think it's called, the PPAC. Uh-huh. Neil Young was awesome, but the opener was, like, uh, Burt Jansk. And, like, he's, he's, like, this really good classic uh, finger picker who was doing it from, like, the 60s on. So he was pretty old at the time. And I knew he sounded familiar, but I was, like, getting into some 60s, 70s rock and stuff. And I started listening to this band, Pentangle. Uh-huh. And it turns out that after the show, I, like, looked up Burt Jansk, and he was, like, one of the guitarists for that band. Oh, like, really? Pentangle. So that was amazing, you know. Neil Young was incredible, but, like, to see Burt Jansk play, like, literally, like, a year before... 
a year before he passed away too wow so like i was like super lucky to see that one so those are probably my two favorite shows i ever saw for sure very cool it sounds like yeah. some of your teacher's influence and your dad's influence has rubbed off on you some of the bands that you're mentioning yeah, styles totally my, my dad was the one that introduced me to neil young for sure yeah he had a bunch of his cassette tapes and stuff he, my dad was never into like records that much but like yeah always have cassette tapes in the car and stuff that's i have cassette tapes all over the place my my car and my my room downstairs and stuff. <laughs> at which point did you get much into the psychedelic rock stuff because i can hear obviously i mean to me i would say that the stronger uh influences that i could hear in elder at least more so even over the last couple of records i would say is sort of the progginess of maybe someone like yes mixed with sort of the 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 stoner blues jam of a black sabbath and you know pentagram yeah. and some of those other bands that yeah we're super into like 60s 70s stuff but uh like yes is definitely one of the bigger ones there's a band called gentle giant we're like super into yeah. jethro tull uh-huh. uh Amon Duel. yeah there's like there's a lot but those are some of like bigger names i guess definitely a lot of yes like we, when we first heard yes we were listening to that stuff a lot like me and Jack were talking about it the other day. Like, I can't even really listen to Black Sabbath anymore because we've listened to it so much. Oh, I bet. You know what I mean? But, like, Volume 4 and, like, the early uh, albums are, like, really awesome, too. Yeah. So. I've been recently getting into the Ronnie James Dio era Black Sabbath stuff. Uh, and there's, goddamn, man, there are some killer records of that stuff, too. I mean, that guy was such a maniac vocalist. So whether he was with Rainbow, you know, and then he's oh, got yeah. Richie Blackamore and you got the Deep Purple connection or even the, the, the solo Dio shit is just yeah, like, yeah. it's killer, man. Cozy Powell's playing, drumming on the Rainbow stuff or uh, the Apiche or Apice uh, brother uh, playing with Dio and Black Sabbath. That's, that shit is just, yeah. it's killer, man. You want to hear a funny story about Dio? Sure. Uh, I worked the... Uh, <laughs> I worked the Psycho Fest in August. Oh, did you see the hologram show? No. Okay. I oh, I thought that's where you were going with this. No, no, no. I worked. I worked <laughs> like the as like stage manager, like the vinyl stage, one of the smaller okay, ones. Okay. Yeah. And this band played that was called the Rods, and like the sound guy came up to me. He was like, "You know, that's Dio's cousin," and he looked like very similar to Dio. Really? And he, and he was honestly like like a little gnome of a man, tiny dude. <laughs> And I was like blown away, and they were awesome. They were like really? this old like. Was his cousin the vocalist? Guitar vocals, yeah. Really? And it turns out too that the sound guy, there was like an old like Italian dude, I think, and he was the sound guy for Dio for like a long time too. You know, I got to meet him both. It was both super nice dudes, you know, and like the rods were sick. Like they were really, awesome. really awesome. I gotta check them out. Yeah, they were like really like classic like metal, I guess. I guess you would call it like heavy rock heavy metal i guess like right i don't know they were really cool older dudes too like for a second there i was thinking the rods and i was like whoa that'd be weird if they were like a rod stewart tribute band <laughs> no. and they'll just all dressed up and look like rod stewart <laughs> the entire band that'd be pretty cool too actually though. <laughs> hey man i don't take that idea i'm gonna fucking do it for halloween <laughs> and i was telling you earlier i love uh, the falling veil off of uh, the most recent record that song, the whole album is fucking great. Do you have uh, any particular songs that you really enjoy uh, playing live? I mean, the whole album in general is like super fun to play. Uh, it's new, especially because the newest stuff. Right, for us. exactly. So it's, it's always the funnest, that, the newest stuff, because you're trying to challenge yourself, or yep. we do, anyways. But uh, I guess it would probably be Falling Veil, Staving, uh, Thousand Hands is the one that gave gave me the most trouble learning. So uh-huh. like that's also up there too. So right. probably between those three 
which yeah. is kind of like a bad answer. But <laughs> no, no. Falling Veil probably is the funnest to play, though. That song sounds like, like a, a fun-ass song to play. Like right off the bat, it's just like into the song, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I said, I've, 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 one of the things that I love so much is the, are those sweet guitarmonies on the, on the records. Uh, so it's going to be super cool to hear some of those happening tonight. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, Mike makes it happen. <laughs> Fucking A, man. It opens it up. Well, cool. Uh, Matt, thanks for talking to me, my man. No problem, Jody. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, indeed. That was a good chat, and it was good catching up with Matt, and uh, definitely great rocking out, watching Elder uh, rip it up. Be sure to check Elder out on tour. Check out their albums, all the good stuff. They've been doing some great stuff over the last 10 years, and they are not to be missed. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Elder, for rocking out. Catch you on the next one. Crash, bang, boom. Boom.